0: So we're now in a new sermon series on Romans that we started last week, and I was thinking about this. But Romans is kind of like going to Bucky's. Have y'all been to Bucky's? Bucky's is like um, Super Walmart meets uh, Exxon meets you know uh, I I don't know what else. It's got there's so many things at Bucky's. I went there this summer while doing camp pickup and drop off. But the reason I say that is this. You go into Bucky's, and there's like so many things, right? You study Paul's letter to the Romans, and there's so much that you can look for and dive into. And so we're not going to be able to hit everything on Sundays, but I'm encouraging you to read it and, and study it on your own. But I shared with you last Sunday that the theme of Romans is found in chapter one when Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, to the Jew first and also to the Greek for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. For as it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. So Paul's basic theology is that we are justified by grace through faith, meaning God reconciled himself with the world through the person of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And we accept that gift of grace through faith. That's the general theology and and theme of Romans. And last week I talked about how all of us have to wrestle with the complicated nature of what it means to be a human being. Right? Yes, we are broken and sinful and we mess up. But we also have the capacity to do a lot of good. To love and to serve and to support and to bless other people's lives. So it's not just one or the other. I said last week, we always live in that tension. I talked about the two wolves that are always battling it out, the good wolf and the bad wolf. And we have that going on in our own hearts all the time. And the wolf that wins is the one that we feed. So we have to remember, we have good and bad within us, but we can't save ourselves, which is why we need Christ. Why we need Jesus, to teach us how to live, to teach us how to love, to teach us how to serve. Most of you are aware that our governor, Bill Lee, has called the legislature back to Nashville this week for a special session that's focused on public safety. Um, Regardless of what you think about this particular topic, I would like to ask that you join me and others in praying for our state leaders this week because Since the covenant tragedy that impacted our community and all of our lives, um, there's been a lot of emotions and a lot of different feelings about this topic of public safety. And yes, it can get political. But I've been involved with a a nonpartisan group that's called Voices for a Safer Tennessee because I I personally believe that there are things that we can do to keep our kids and our communities safer. Um, But I'm also aware that not everybody agrees on topics around public safety and firearms. Um, But I'm thankful that a church like Woodmont, we can talk about these things. And we do talk about these things, even when we disagree. And I think it's really important that we're able to have dialogues like what's going to go on in Nashville this week. But one of the challenges, you know, when it comes to uh, issues of uh, politics and public policy is that people just disagree over what should happen, right? And somebody will always say, preachers should stay out of it. You should preach the Bible, okay? But if it's something that you care about, and it's something that's impacted your community, it's harder to do that. But I do believe that the church, and I've told you guys this for years, has to be a place where we can come and have intelligent, civil discussions with people with whom we disagree. There was an interesting article that appeared in The Atlantic this week. And the the title of the article was, How Americans Got Mean. And in the article, David Brooks, who wrote it, said, there are many explanations for why our culture has become the way it's become. First, there's the technology story. Social media is dividing us and driving us crazy. Then there's the sociology story. We stopped participating in community organizations and we've become more isolated, but we all need community. Remember Robert Putnam from Harvard wrote about this back in 2000, bowling alone. Then there's a demography story. Our nation is becoming more diverse and many people are just not comfortable with that. There's the economy story that we have high levels of Income inequality, which makes people afraid and alienated and pessimistic. That's also what gives rise to populism, by the way. But, but but what the article says that I like and that I really agree with is that at the end of the day, we have become a culture where moral formation is not happening. And people are no longer trained in how to treat others with kindness and consideration so people are mean and they're self-centered and they're fearful and anxious and that's not a good combination I I told you last week that that, that all of us as human beings want certain things uh in in life Uh, we all want to be loved and appreciated and respected we all search for meaning and purpose and we want our lives to matter We we all seek to form meaningful relationships with other people because we are social beings. We don't do well alone. We learned that during the pandemic, right? We all want to find happiness, however we understand that and pursue it. And and we all have to deal with with pain and disappointment, no matter who we are. And so our text today from Romans chapter 5 is one of my favorites because I know it to be true. Paul says, we boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope and hope does not disappoint. You know, in 18 years of ordained ministry and probably 20 Two years of ministry I've seen a lot. I've had the opportunity to help many people who are hurting as the other folks here on the stage have as well. And so we know their pain. We know their hurt. We know their guilt and their anger. And, and you know for some reason certain people in life seem to have more than their fair share of pain and heartache and we can't explain it. You know, we never get a satisfactory answer to that question, why? I told you that last week. At least not on this side of death. We come up with theories, but they're all inadequate. It's the question of theodicy. It stumped theologians for years. Why do certain things have to happen? Philip Yancey calls it the question that doesn't go away. So we wrestle with it. But Paul reminds us in Romans that Jesus suffered. He was ridiculed, betrayed, beaten, and killed. But because of that, we know that God understands our pain and our suffering. That's what's unique about the Christian faith. So let's talk about this passage today. Suffering produces endurance. When we go through hard times in life, it makes us stronger. We usually don't choose the situations that we go through, but we quickly find out that we are more resilient than we thought. Whether it's cancer, or divorce, or loss of a job, or loss of a loved one, or betrayal of a friend, it it toughens us up. And once you've lived long enough, you can look back and see how God helped you make it through certain situations, difficult times, right? And and over time, we gain perspective that we we didn't have when we were going through it. Well, you know, we, we, we find that there are certain times when we feel like, I just can't take anymore. I can't take any more suffering. We've all felt that way. I've recommended a book and we've used it a lot at this church by Jerry Sitzer. It's called A Grace Disguised. And Jerry is writing out of his own pain where he was in this head-on collision in the Pacific Northwest where he lost his, his wife, his mother and his daughter in a car accident that he and his other children survived. And so he's writing out of that pain, but three generations of women were just gone, just like that. And and in the book, you know, he talks about our soul and how the soul grows through loss and pain. He says the soul, it's elastic, it's like a balloon. It can grow larger through suffering and, and loss can enlarge its capacity for anger and depression and despair and anguish which are all natural and legitimate emotions when we experience loss, right? But then he says, once it's enlarged, the soul is also capable of experiencing greater joy and strength and peace and love. This is the silver lining when we suffer. He says, those who suffer loss live suspended between a past for which they long and a future for which they hope. But certain types of loss in life preclude recovery It either transforms us or it destroys us, but it will never leave us the same. And so there's no going back to the past, which is gone forever, only going ahead to the future, which is yet to be discovered. And so this book has been immensely helpful for me and for many people in this church who have suffered loss and who are grieving because we need support, we need each other, we need hope and wisdom when we grieve. But our pain at the end of the day helps us grow if we let it Paul says endurance produces character when we persevere in life and we make it through the hard times our character is formed character is who you are it's what you're all about it's whether you're kind and loving and generous and compassionate but character gets formed by living life It's our story and the things that happen to us that make us who we are. But remember, it's not just what happens to us, but it's how we respond. They said that life is about 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. And those decisions that we make say a lot about our character and how we treat other people and speak to other people. Character matters, but but we have to pay attention to it. I I think endurance, in another translation that was read earlier, also involves resilience. And and somebody once said that resilient people have three defining characteristics. First, they accept the harsh realities that they're facing in life. And, And second, they're able to find meaning in terrible times. And third, they have an uncanny ability to improvise and make do with whatever is at hand. They're survivors. They keep pushing forward. Paul says character produces hope. When we make it through the hard times and our character is formed, you know, we realize that we can do it again. And that gives us hope. In other words, once we've made it through the hard times, we realize that we can go on and we can help other people do the same thing and that's what we see in the church you know I lost my mother to suicide but guess what I've been able to help many families at Woodmont and in this town who've gone through the same thing if you've battled depression in your life guess what you can go help other people that are battling depression if you've been through a divorce guess what You can be a part of the divorce care ministry and help people that have been going through a divorce. If you've had a drinking problem, guess what? You can help others who have an addiction or a drinking problem. If you've lived through tragedy, guess what? You can help other people make it through tragedy. This is how we spread hope to others. We let them know that they're going to be okay and and they're going to get through whatever it is that they're dealing with. And finally, Paul says, hope does not disappoint. You know, I believe that hope and faith are closely related. And we have to hold on to hope because if we don't, then life is just too hard. But we also have to spread that hope to others. And when you see somebody who's been through a really hard time and they are still out there spreading hope to others, that's powerful. That's inspirational. That, that's transformative. We, we give hope to one another. We, we don't go through life alone, right? You know, in the church, you know, you see people that have been through hard times and, and then they've continued to go and spread hope to other people. And I got somebody this morning that's gonna close my message out because this is exactly what she's done. She's been pushing forward in probably what is the most difficult circumstance that you can imagine. And and so she's going to come and share a few words based on this Romans text. And she's going to close out my message because her story is powerful. So would you join me in welcoming my friend, Katie Dickhouse, is going to come and share some words.
1: Thank you, Clay, and thank you for your message. Clay asked me to speak, which used to be my worst nightmare. This is no longer the case, something I both cannot fully explain and something I wish I did not have to explain. When I read the version of Romans 5, 1 through 5, the word perseverance was used in place of endurance an interchangeable meaning, both meaning working through difficult situations. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us. There she was. Evelyn's sweet voice instantly entering my head and swooping down to my injured heart. Evelyn did one year pre-K at the Covenant School before we transitioned her to Julia Green for kindergarten to be with her sister. I was always so impressed with the school's approach to instill faith, education, and truly celebrate and love each individual child at the same time, especially the day our five-year-old came home proudly asking, do you know what perseverance means? Well, I do. She continued to use this big word out of her sweet little voice throughout the year. After being at Julia Green for a short period of time, we shifted the girls back to the Covenant School during COVID, a time where things felt continuously uncertain. I felt this would be a good opportunity to not only continue their academic growth, but help them grow in their faith in what can feel like such a dark world. We have two beautiful, kind, smart, loving, amazing girls. On March 27th, our Evelyn tragically left this earth after we simply dropped her off at school. I am known to my family and close friends to be a warrior, often anxious about the safety for all during ski trips boat outings, any adventure outing. I'm the one saying, aren't you all going too fast? Slow down. (laughs) Uh, Shouldn't they be wearing a helmet and a life jacket on a tube? I would get some eye rolls, but it's fine. I was worried all the time. Uh, And and yeah, need to slow down. Um, But who knew our world would be pulled out from under us on just an average Monday morning? I am a believer and a faithful person, which I am thankful for. I would be lying if I said my faith wasn't rocked. As we continue to grapple with understanding the why, as Clay mentioned, why did this happen to one of our babies? Why did this happen to our family? Why did this happen at our school? Why is this continuing to happen in our world? We have frequently been asked, how are you all even getting out of bed? As Clay and Farrell have both communicated so eloquently, the answer is hope and love. Hope and love coming from God. Hope and love coming from our precious girls. Hope and love coming from our loving family, our fiercely supportive friends, our church family, and the whole Nashville community. We have felt and witnessed the hope and love of God through each one of you. During our darkest of times, you were there. Sharing God's love, spreading light, helping us regain reassurance that our girls are in good hands in both heaven and on earth. The day Evelyn's school belongings were returned was a repeat moment of time standing still. Difficulty catching my breath and feeling my legs buckle out from under me. Her organized backpack, projects that she finished early. She was so driven and organized, she did not get that from me. She got it from her dad. Her Bible verse book and her school journal, just to name a few things. Also on this day, we were about to have our first meeting with lawmakers on how we can work together for both the safety and betterment of our children and everyone. I opened her sweet Saved by Grace Journal. The first verse I opened to said, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart and a humble mind. 1 Peter 3.8 Okay. Thank you, God. Thank you, Evelyn. We hear you. And thank you for this sign of hope. In Evelyn's school journal, she had the following quote from Lin-Manuel Miranda. Both girls love the play Hamilton and love some Lin-Manuel. And her quote said that he said, give your time, give your heart, give your service, give someone something you made. It feels incredible. Following this, she has a list of ways to be kind. Compliments, lift others up, set examples, forgive, smile, help clean up, play with someone, the golden rule, include others, sit next to others, laugh. It's a full list. In the darkest of times, God does give us hope. Our girls give us hope. Your children give us hope. You all give us hope. We see hope in all of the rainbows, the heart clouds, the heart rocks, and rays of light that shine down from above and are often viewed in cherished pictures that we take. As we continue to move forward in our healing process, we continue to promote working together for the better of our children, the state, and this nation. We pray that God continues to provide us with endurance, hope, and spreading his love to others. For these we are grateful. We are grateful to each one of you. Thank you, and we love you.